Hello, and welcome back to Season 5 of Prophetic Voices, Preaching and Teaching Beloved Community, a podcast from the Episcopal Church's Office of Reconciliation, Justice, and Creation Care, where we explore the season and the lectionary through the lens of social justice. I'm your host, Reverend Shaniqua, Staff Officer for Racial Reconciliation, and I'm so glad you could join us. In this episode of Prophetic Voices, we'll be discussing the Advent One Lectionary. Our amazing guests this week are the Reverend Rachel Tabor Hamilton, who is of Indigenous, Shakin First Nation, and European heritage. She is the rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Everett, Washington, co-founded the Circles of Color Advocacy Network in the Diocese of Olympia, and serves as the Vice President of the House of Deputies for the Episcopal Church and the Reverend LeClaire Atkins, who is Cherokee and an alumna of the Church Divinity School of the Pacific. LeClaire works in the hospitality sector and is mama to an amazing son. And last but not least, Father Halim Shukher, hailing from Beirut, Lebanon, who is the priest in charge at Mother of the Savior Church, an Arabic-speaking congregation, and an assistant priest at Christ Episcopal Church, both in Dearborn, Michigan. Father Halim has interests in interfaith dialogue and contemplative life. Welcome, friends. Thank you all so much for being willing to be guests on Prophetic Voices, and I'm so glad you're all here. I just wanted to start with this year is a little different. We're still like coming out of COVID. It's still there, but it's not as present, I think, as it was in the past. What do we need to keep in mind this Advent or what's up for you this Advent? Yeah, I we are at my parish still really looking at how we can continue to have large groups meet together safely in a way that our elders and our youngest members feel protected. In my context, it's really similar. You know, working at a at an Episcopal conference center, we have groups that come in and we're booked to the hilt for the next couple of weeks at least, plus all of the weddings that we host. And so it's a variety of events, a variety of people who travel in and out. And so there's a lot of uncertainty around what that's going to look like in the future. Yeah, I believe in my context, you know, this season of Advent, it will be a season of hope. Mm-hmm. You know, after these two years coming out and there is a lot of change. But as we light the first candle, which I like always it starts with hope. So hopefully this season, it will be season of hope and resurrection from the COVID and the aftermath that the pandemic has on our community. Nice. What do you think, along with hope, what are some messages that you think our society or our communities need to hear right now? I think one that for us is the assurance that there are people in our community, in our church, and across the world who, even in the midst of the threat of war, the threat of domestic violence, the concerns around politics, that in the midst of all of that potential threat, that there are people who are deeply committed to peace and deeply committed to living out of a a love for neighbor and to see that and have that assurance embodied in meaningful ways throughout the season. In this season, we are calling our communities and congregation also to live trust and the relationship everyone after the COVID and the pandemic, I feel like myself and I feel a lot of people are tired. They lost a lot of trust, especially what's going on in our world and the relationship, which these two years and a half, we need to return back this relationship, encourage people, you know, and our community like coming together 
is very important. Sharing our fears, sharing our tiredness, and be in a community. And this is what I believe that the most important thing is the community hmm. coming together and sharing our stories. I agree. I think getting back to the heart of relationship is going to be vital to how we move forward. You know, that was actually one of the questions that you posed in your email, Shaniqua, was about reconciling relationships and what kind of work may need to happen in that area of our lives. And I think that that's, yeah, that's going to be vital for this season. Let's talk about Romans. I always struggle when they talk. I know in Advent, there's a lot of this lightness and darkness metaphors that are going on. And I always struggle with that a little bit, especially as people of color. How can we think about that? Or what might we do to think about the lightness and darkness metaphors that while still honoring all the shades of God's creation? So I think sometimes when we talk about darkness, I think we've also associated darknesses in people's skin tones. And so I think there's this thing that happens sometimes in our culture, especially in the Western church, where we associate darkness with badness, and therefore then people with darker skin as bad also. And so I'm trying to ask, how do we shift that? Or how do we think about that in a way where we can still honor folks who have dark skin and know that they are just as beloved by God as folks with white skin? I think one of the ways I think about the season of Advent is this invitation to embodiment. When we talk about God as Emmanuel, the God who's with us, there's a tendency maybe theologically to think that, you know, that's all that's all on God. God is doing something. God is the one that's going to somehow become in flesh. And the invitation to me is how we each, whatever, uh, where we are on our skin tone, we're each invited to embody in this season the messages of hope of love mm. of peace and we're all called to that embodiment mm. not just he's a god who's somehow out there but the god who's here emmanuel and the one that's in us the one that we're asked to kind of present to the world and we see people of every shade of skin tone either truly embodying the light of love or truly not doing that and in fact being mm. very destructive so yeah. for me, it's this invitation for all of us to appreciate how all of us can incarnate God's love. Hmm. I like that invitation. So my social location and context, I'm in the South. Well, I know um, a lot of that correlation of, of skin tone with sin, with evilness. This is kind of where it all started and manifested with the chattel slavery trade mm. and still so very much present in our culture and in our society. We see evidence of that every time racism rears its ugly head, every time the Klan makes an appearance somewhere, or we have fringe people who make a stand where race is concerned. For me, the invitation is also, it's a teaching moment of not a lot of people in our congregations would necessarily think oh, darkness as in Black people or darkness as in Indigenous people or darkness as in Asian people. Hmm. And so inviting them to reframe that in their mind and then see how harmful and dangerous that can be just to help them kind of open up to see from our perspective how that's been translated theologically. Thank you, LaClaire. It's, um, I believe education is very important. And especially as a person of color and Arab and Middle Eastern Christian. And, you know, whenever you say an Arab Christian, it's by itself an education because right. people do not yeah. associate 
uh, Arabs with Christianity. You always, you know, associated uh, people come from the Middle East or Arab with terrorism. Mm. Or always a question is asked, when did you convert it to Christian uh, Christianity? And uh, we forget that Christianity started in the Middle East. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So education is very important. And the image of uh, Jesus embodiment in the side of us, you know, the beautiful image of the Advent trees, we are all circle. So we mm-hmm. need all to come together, people of color, white people, and coming together and start lighting these candles. And we need always to remember that Christ is in the midst of us working together. In lighting a candle, that means we are giving, bringing this light to all what's going on in the midst and giving. And education is the great, great light. The fear of the darkness or the other, whenever there is an education or people to come to know the other, it will open the hearts and the mind. Hmm. Education is very important in our congregation and in our communities, and especially this in our Episcopal Church. There is a lot of work to be done in educating about the other and how each one of us can contribute to the community and to the church, and especially in the season of Advent. Thank you. So Paul in Romans says, do you know what time it is? Or says that we know what time it is and it's time for us to wake from our sleep. In what ways do you think we as a church or we as a communities have been sleeping and what do we need to wake up to? Great question. <laughs> Great question. This is kind of related to another podcast I did recently, you know, with the dismantling of Roe v. Wade. Mm. An entire generation of people were asleep thinking, there's no way. It's codified law. It's not going to happen. There's no way. And then sure enough, it happened. And the lesson that I took from that is while we who valued that being law, just kind of sat around and took it for granted and just kind of expected it to always be there. I don't want to say the enemy or the other side, but those who did not value its existence were constantly working Hmm. towards the dismantling of that. Now we're dealing with the ramifications of it. And I think that we will see a rise of voices come out in defense of it. Yeah, it was kind of like a wake-up call of nothing is safe at this point. Hmm. Along the lines of some some things that have been shared, there's a sense of waking up to the interconnectedness we have as global village. There's just a recognition that even though our years in pandemic almost uh, encouraged an isolationism that wasn't very healthy for the human Hmm. community, (laughs) that we're sort of being asked sort of like the animals that reemerge from a long winter to really kind of wake up to the reality of the impact of global community and that we impact that with every choice we make, whether it's impacting the spread of viruses, whether it's notions that other nations to invade other nations because they want those nations, you know, it's kind of saying, you know, this ripple effect, even in how we get our goods on the grocery store is affected. It's we really waking up to how we are absolutely so incredibly interdependent and learning how to live in that in a way that respects those relationships. And we've been talking about education, but also becoming educated around 
that the global networks and those relationships and how can we affect those domestically and internationally? Beautiful. I, I agree with you, Rachel. It's uh, waking up to the reality of the world around us and the relationship, and especially what now we are still in the church celebrating the season of creation and how the climate change has affected the whole world. And now what we are seeing in our world, the disasters that going on globally. If the church is a body of Christ, I believe the all we are creation is a body of Christ. Hmm. Each part of the creation in pain or in agony, the whole creation. Will hmm. And I believe the church needs to wake up also to listen to the voices of the people who are marginalized, to look at. Uh, and I appreciate our presiding bishop always talking about the way of Jesus. Jesus was always with the people who are in the marginalized, the people who are on the peripheral of our community and society here in the U.S. and worldwide for the church. We pass by, uh, um, I believe, uh, like there is like a lot of Lazarus in our gate. We need only to open the gate and wake up that uh, women around us on the other side of the gate, LGBT community on the other side of the gate of the church, uh, people of color on the other side of the gate, uh, people who are now in poverty. And poverty now, mm. uh, it's, it's all worldwide in the economy. It doesn't, it doesn't look, it's like, the, it's like the pandemic. It doesn't differentiate either you are white or black or uh, uh, people of color, you are Asian, you are Native American. You know, now we we live in this uh, struggle of economic struggle. And I believe the church needs to wake up and to see, listen also, uh, to see the world around us and to listen to the pain that in, in our community. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I believe uh, this is, a, this is the, our message. Our, this is uh, the way that Jesus has calling us to walk, to love the neighbor, to love the community, and uh, to love ourselves as a church, you know, to listen to the people who are around us in pain and in agony, especially in this time. Paul talks about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he says, make no provision for the flesh. And that always confused me. I know sometimes they're like the belt of this and the, you know, watch of he doesn't use the word watch but the watch of that i'm I'm being facetious what does it mean to put on the lord jesus christ and if we're humans at least our soul is inside of a human body what does it mean to make no provision for that how would you guys interpret that first we need to recognize the context that we're dealing with that paul was slightly obsessed with the carnal Mm. and the inherent sin that can come from the flesh when we live into those desires, our base desires, right? So in that sense, I think he was ahead of the times as far as being able to separate the two, that there is something above that we can strive for. But it is confusing because it's like, how do I balance being human and being in the world and bringing Christ to the world through my body. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If we are called to embody Emmanuel, like how do I do that without a body, without flesh, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus did it. So maybe that's the answer. (laughs) 
we have to be more like Jesus. Yeah, I think in that embodiment, uh, they are hampered very much by that Greco-Roman worldview of dualism that really permeates through philosophy that they were entrenched in at the time, this idea of you know, the dualism of body-spirit kind of thing, and that reason is even more associated with what's your real goal, <laughs> even more than reflective relationship recognizing the inheritance in that and then we need to revalue the way that as you said we're the hands the feet the eyes the ears the hug and embrace of jesus in the world that does get in flesh through our action and who we are so i think especially as people of color that self-valuation is Mm. so critically important and Mm. also what paul really goes into there in that long list of things that he calls in flesh are really things that are pretty self-absorbed. You know, there it's it's like enjoying the world for your own pleasure kind of thing and not lifting your head up and using your body in a way that's about others. As we even celebrate St. Francis not long ago, we really looking at how we're asked to live our lives in such a way where it's not that we forget ourselves or set ourselves aside, but that we appreciate God's gift in ourselves and then take inventory of what gifts and skills and community are we a part of that we are called to live into more deeply and to not be afraid to say, this is who I am. This is who God's made me to be. This is my true and authentic identity. And it's only by being our truly enfleshed, authentic selves that we can become what God wants us and needs us to be among Mm. the people, whether as witness or as healing instruments or as those who see, those who have courage to speak the truth. Oh, wonderful. I believe for me, uh, reading Romans, especially in this uh, small context, Advent is beautiful because we are waiting for the coming of Christ in the flesh, uh, in the incarnation, and also for his second coming. And I believe when St. Paul was writing the letters, he has this inside urgency for Jesus to come. Come, Lord Jesus, now, like finish everything. Let us have this peaceful world that we are all waiting for. Hmm. Let us now have, you know, this reconciliation because he said no quarreling, no jealousy. Instead, put on Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, Paul was looking like when maybe Jesus will come now and we will be liberated, which I believe it's a lot of people, especially in our congregation, in our faith, like we want now Jesus to come and our world will be uh, released from all this, what the problems in our world. What I believe now for us, and especially for us as a Christian, when putting embody the incarnation of Christ in our body, in our flesh, to look always at the message of Jesus when he walks this earth as a human mm. being. He walked in his community. He came and dwelt among us. And I like this beautiful image, like he took the tent from heaven and put the tent inside the community and he lives in the community. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. when we embody Jesus, we be in the midst of what's going on in our world as people of faith, as Christians, as Episcopalians. Our call is to be in the midst of our community and dwelling among the people. Embody the, we receive Christ, we receive his body and blood in the communion each Sunday. And this is beautiful sacrament that we hold each week. 
And when we open the door of the church to be also Christ's body and the blood and the hands and feet in our community, to bring this hope and to bring this peace that Paul was looking for, for the coming of Christ, and especially in the season of Advent. I love both of those sentiments. And going back to what Rachel said about embodying our uniqueness of who God created us to be. You know, this is the first time that I've been back on my ancestral land in about 10 years. And for Indigenous Peoples Day next Monday, I've made a point of telling people I'm going to come in my regalia and I will do a land blessing. And I've gotten some very interesting responses to that. So, (laughs) but part of my walk, when I started to really kind of own that part of myself and Shanika was a huge help for that. And I'll never forget what you said to me was, listen, if you go down this path, these are the things that you're going to experience and you're going to have to take it all in because it's a part of who you are and it's important to be authentic, but it's not going to be easy. And I think that that's true of the Christian walk too. This is a part of who we are and we're called to be and do and act in a certain way in this world by being the hands and feet and eyes and and hug of Christ, right? And we're going to get a lot of interesting responses. Mm. (laughs) That's right. And we have to be prepared for that, right? Yeah. I want to build on what you said too, because I spent a lot of my young adult life and my early life in ministry in the church and in academics kind of always waiting for someone else who I perceived having more authority or more privilege to use their voice on behalf of something that I saw wrong to fix things. I spent so much time waiting for other people that I entrusted or empowered with that ability to go fix things. And suddenly I had my moment where it was like, Jesus came, you know, woke me up and, and, and you don't ever know when that's going to happen when you finally realize, Oh, heck, I need to do it. <laughs> I need mm-hmm. to do this thing. I need to live authentically into who I am. I need to be the voice. I need to step into that. I need to challenge what's broken, what's wrong, what's painful, what's exploitative, what's unjust. I need to do that. And stepping into that risk makes you understand why not a lot of people feel comfortable doing that. Mm. And it's only, I think, because of our relationship with Christ, when we're living into that embodiment authentically that Advent calls us to, it's a dangerous thing. Jesus breaking into your life like a thief in the night. The incoming of God is not all about, you know, a Hallmark card of sheeps and daisies. (laughs) There's an endangerment to it. Mm -hmm. And there was for Jesus as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Let me shift to the gospel. I think Paul's telling us to wake up and then Matthew says to keep awake this gospel, I think, is talking about the second coming of Christ, but they read it in Advent. This first Sunday is supposed to be the Sunday of hope, and I'm reading it, and it just sounds so ominous. Where do you find yourself in that? Where are the messages of hope in this gospel? And maybe it's being awake and waking up to ourselves, but what what do you all think? You bring this up in a later question about it sounding like the rapture, and it is, sort of. <laughs> the overall message of the gospel for me is that the work isn't done. It's not done. We've got work to do. So we need to be prepared for whatever Mm. might come our way. There's this little tiny, tiny, tiny line where it says, as in the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. And that's our cue to read it 
in light of the flood story. If we do that, if we take what we know about the flood story, which is all of these people got onto Noah's Ark and they were the ones who were left behind, right? To propagate Mm -hmm. and to spread God's word. And they were then the chosen people. And then all of the sin got swept away in the flood, right? So this idea of the rapture is completely opposite from what our culture has built. Mm. Those whom God has called, who are following the way, are the ones who get left behind to do the work. It's incomplete is really the message that I get from the gospel. There's no end in sight. There's work to do, and we have to be prepared. I love this moment in the gospel where it says, hey, not even the sun knows when this is all going to happen. It's all God. And I, I sort of love that no one knows when the moment may occur when we are asked by God to embody God's message. No one knows when we're going to be tapped by the angel Gabriel <laughs> with an invitation that is so stunning. We're asked to step into that place of completely changing our lives to accommodate. That shakeup of our identity, of that core sense of self, to become truly what we're needed to become. You know, whether we think of that as instruments of God, of those who are responding to what is dangerous, maybe dangerous for us. Going back to that Roe v. Wade, one of the ways that this was incarnate for me was in response to the concern that was sent out by the presiding bishop and other bishops that said, in the light of this, this warning came up from the FBI about any clergy people who had been supportive of women confronting these choices. And the presiding bishop put on to that, this little moment, we needed to respond in ways that were peaceful. And I fully agree with all of that. And as a woman and as a woman clergy person, I would just say to the institution to be cautious in understanding that women have lived their lives hearing messages from men telling them to be worried about other men who could hurt them so they ought not to speak. So if we're going to be asked to be peaceable, I would need that to be accompanied by how I can be empowered by my church to speak the truth and on behalf of of the church and behalf of Christ that says the essential dignity of women. And at Advent, it's especially lifted up in the dignity of Mary, one who was considered a man's property, one who is considered so low in the Roman Empire status, she's not considered a citizen, one who is so dispossessed that God empowers her and she does this amazing moment in the Magnificat kind of building from the tradition of Isaiah that says, I have all the power I need because God made me who I am. Amen. No empire gets to take that away. No man with a gun gets to take Mm. that away. No FBI warning gets to take that away. No well-intentioned man in my life gets to take that away. 
Thank you, Rachel. Beautiful uh, image. You know how to be persistent, especially for the sound of the women. And what we see now in our polarized world now, and the church needs to be awake. You know, this uh, Christ was saying, if the thief know at what time the thief is coming, he will be awake. And when we look around us, we always talk about there is a lot of problems in our communities, in our society, and we need to be awake, and especially uh, the Episcopal Church need to be the, the prophetic voice now mm-hmm. in what's going on. Yesterday, I was going to visit one of the parishioners, and there was a woman protesting against abortion, and it putting like all these signs, but how is the voice that we are talking about all what's going on? And there were like also in Dearborn, there was also a conversation in the community about banning of books. Some certain books talks about LGBT uh, community from the school. Mm. So how can in the church, especially we, the Episcopal Church, the Anglican theology, our Anglican church is a, a media to bring all these voices together. And we have all this tradition of bringing how the church can bring all the voices to the table and then we be a prophetic voices. I believe that the message to be awake, it's not only individually, but it's a collective. It starts as an individual and you are right, Rachel. Sometimes we depend on the others to talk on our behalf. But as a Christian, Jesus was always telling us, you need to be the voice in this world. And then each one of us, the voice, it will be a collective. I think our churches, and maybe it's not just our church, maybe it's other faith traditions too, but we're like so in love with nostalgia. And I feel like sometimes that's that we fall asleep in that way. <laughs> like everybody's like, well, this is what we've always done. Every Christmas we do this and this and this, and the service is always at 10 a.m. Or it's all, And I sometimes I think maybe being awake means we need to like, think outside of these boxes that we've always been in or the people, you know, there's people we try and do something new and well, you know, we've never done it that way. I don't know what it would be like if we actually left our church building and met people in the community. And I'm like, well, that sounds a lot like being away, going out and interacting with your community, right? If like a cell or a living thing is dormant, it's just sleeping and it's just in its own little thing and doesn't interact with outside the community. Yeah, those are called the seven last words of the church. We've never (laughs) done it that way before. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm sort of thinking about wrapping up, what preaching ideas do you have or what ideas do you have for preaching Advent One? Passion. Passion. There's so many ways in which I almost feel like we're hesitant to touch on Mary's tremendous passion in mm. her deep social justice response and utter commitment to God, a complete readiness to be in the world and, and bring this new amazing transformation into the world, to birth God into the world, to be a vehicle embodied of that, to change her identity in her life at such risk in such ways. I get frustrated sometimes when we kind of fall into sort of that use Advent as a time to sort of be safe and work our way up into a lovely celebration at Christmas. (laughs) And I'm not saying that's bad. I just really myself long for preachers to get up there and and speak with that passion of what are the issues of the day, Mm. what needs to be born into the world. 
well, how do we need to be midwifing that? How do mm-hmm. we need to be bearing that? How do we need to be God's voice that is being summoned forth from us? Where is our Magnificat? What do we need to be saying about God's inbreaking into the world? Hmm. I completely agree. Passion. And this is where we set the stage, right? This is the invitation for the work that we are called to do, but also realizing that a lot of it's already going on. And we need, as a church, as an institution, we need to recognize that and we need to step up and play our part. As preachers, especially, we can no longer hide behind our vestments and be afraid of if the big donor is going to leave because we say something that they don't agree with. That's not being true to our vocation. And I think now is the time more than ever, especially in our culture, in our current culture, that we live up to that. It's a lot to ask because there is that inherent danger of, you know, we could lose everything. And yet Mm. that's what Jesus calls us to do is to sacrifice. And that's what Mary did. We can argue from our standpoint now, it all turned out fine and dandy for her, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the moment when she said, okay, I'm going to trust, she didn't know. Mm -hmm. And she put a lot at risk. I mean, she could have been stoned Mm -hmm. to death. I don't think that we can afford to wait anymore. And so that's a call to myself as a preacher. That's a call to my fellow preachers to just live, live into that vocation, live into that voice. God has given us a pulpit for a reason. And I invite preachers to utilize that to the best of their ability. And I love the idea of what are we midwifing? What are we birthing into this world? You know, my, my Cherokee grandmother was, she was a healer. She was a midwife. And so I take my lead from her in that sense of what am I physically birthing into this world with my words? And that journey from cradle to cross that Mm -hmm. Mary makes with Jesus and the journey from the nativity to the Pieta is a journey that this season launches for all of us. I believe this season is calling us to walk. I like the end of the Isaiah reading, O house of Jacob. Come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Hmm. As we have mentioned, it's a journey of learning. It's a journey of education. It's a journey to open our doors to our community. And it's uh, Advent. You know, it's a season. Sometimes we got busyness in the all preparation for Christmas and gifts and the cards and everything. But it's a season to let us walk in the light of the Lord. It's a season mm. walk with our community, walking as individual, our eyes on the nativity of Christ, who became a human, who have our body, shining body and a beautiful image, whatever the body that we have. And this is a great thing that God came with us. He, he has to walk in the community to bring up the marginalized. There is a cross and there is also resurrection and there is mm. a second coming. So it's a beautiful journey that Advent season are calling us to walk in the light of the Lord. Thank you. The ways that Jesus represents new life, it begins in this season. Absolutely. I was thinking about, based on what everybody said, I was thinking about cleaning house because we know Christ is coming, so we're preparing, right? And it's like when you know you have a guest coming and you're cleaning the house. And so it's kind of like metaphorically, maybe we need to clean our churches. You know, where are we out of right relationship and how do we get back in there? 
so we look like we've been doing it right all along when Jesus comes back again. I don't know. <laughs> that was the thing I was thinking about. <laughs> that, like that bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming quick, look busy, or whatever it was. <laughs> to do a holy cleaning uh, at our church and ourselves. <laughs> I like that, holy cleaning. Thank you so much, everybody, for being a part of this podcast and being willing to share your wisdom. Thank you, Shaniqua. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for this beautiful uh, time we have spent together. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Beloved Community, visit episcopalchurch.org forward slash beloved hyphen community. Thanks to our guests, Rachel, LeClaire, and Halim. Thanks also to our production team, especially Chris and Asma. If you heard something that caught your ear today, please rate, review, and of course, share our podcast. Until next time, let your light shine. You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.edu ec slash love always.